Welcome to this episode of CDM Media's Executive Insights. I'm your host, J.D. Miller. We recently held our Midwest Summit and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Jason Spencer, Global Vice President of IT for R.R. Donnelly for a fireside chat. It's always great to pick Jason's brain on leadership. I want to share a discussion here with you as we dove into new approaches to leadership and strategic decision-making and how tech leaders can impact their customer experience while moving their business forward. So when we come back, we'll have my fireside discussion with Jason Spencer. Um, well, so I've been in several sessions where, of course, people say that, uh, you know, global pandemic was not on our checklist for uh, <laughs> DR preparedness, which um, that throws a wrench in your works. I think the biggest thing is um, how you can be you wherever you are and and still operate. And that's, you know, that sounds sort of easy. Um, there's tools, there's applications, there's capabilities, there's laptops, you can be portable. But when you really get into the into the depth of things, um, you end up with, you end up getting to the, the, the bits and pieces like um, heavy graphics. Should you be dragging those all the way around the world? Um, you know, if you have a global company like I do, you know, we, we went from two states in India to now we're supporting 14 states in India. And um, as many of you may know, um, not the rest, not the rest of the world has the same infrastructure as we do. So there's power issues, there's broadband issues, there's all sorts of interesting things to consider. Um, in some cases, there's utility issues. So, so we are being faced with challenges and overcoming them um, affably by being more open-minded than ever before. Um, the the legacy way of approaching um, how a person was going to execute their work in a very controlled, very well-governed, very well-secured environment, those needs haven't gone away, but the way in which you're executing have. You're actually, you, you have to blow it out and start over. Um, there's that. And I'll add, um, because we've, we've talked about this, but this is something that often gets overlooked. I'll add that because we're so distributed globally now, and yes, people are going back into the work, into the office and, and whatnot on a gradual basis, and that many that are going to work from home for the rest of their lives. What that does is it changes the topology of your threat landscape. Um, it changes your, it changes your endpoints. It changes your, your ingress and egress points, um, in many cases. And so you have to take a new look and have to work even more closely with your security organization and your security partners in order to address those threats. Um, that's why you've seen a, you know, several digit percentage increase in ransomware and things of that nature, because now that you've got all these entry points and you've got people at home that are hooked into their IOT, they're on their home networks with their kids doing e-learning and everything else. If you don't have your endpoint inoculated properly with ATP and with, you know, firewall and, um, you know, basically what is termed as a zero trust boundary solution, um, which comes in various flavors. And I know that's a buzzword, but um, if you don't have those things in place, eventually it's going to bite you. Um, and so what we've seen is we've seen that there was, there was a, um, a prioritization of certain work and products and technologies prior to the crazy hittiness. And then post that, we immediately got a lot more attention. And, you know, I think that IT in, in many cases for any for any industry that's a growth oriented industry, I think IT was becoming more of a business partner and more of a revenue driver and all the all the fun stuff. That's now it's even more of a revenue driver and risk mitigation mechanism. This is how you survive. And 2020 from if, if you're in IT in 2020, 
it's a good spot to be in because we proved as as a channel across across multiple industries, multiple verticals, et cetera, we, we proved that we had we had the chops to make things work. Um, and and that's something that, you know, we didn't get that chance prior to. Um, so, you know, it was, it was always, you know, cost efficiencies and cut, cut, cut. That's not so, so much the case anymore. But now they're looking for optimizations and, you know, better throughput and how do you secure us better and how do we meet our same control guidance, things of that nature. You know, it, it, it is that interesting shift. And when we talk about shift right now, because organizations have gone through transformation, as we've outlined you know, throughout the day so far, should we as technology leaders lean harder on technology? Where should we learn? I, I guess, where should we lean harder on technology and where should we lean harder mm -hmm. on people? So without people, the technology doesn't matter. That's one of my principles. Um, and I can teach tech to anybody, but I can't teach personality. Um, so I'd look for I'd look for individuals who are willing to go out and and be optimistic, not be you know the negative Nancy, if you will, and um, who are willing to collaborate across streams. They don't just like to work in their own little proverbial holes. Um, and uh, and something else that we've had to um, kind of help develop in our staff is is active communication, actively reaching out because. Many of us, we don't have the water cooler talk anymore. There's no coffee pot talk. There's no cafeteria talk. There's no hallway. There's no there's no such thing as an elevator discussion anymore because this is the reality that many people deal with, and that's how that's how your daily life looks. And one of the things that, that many overlook, um, I've talked across the industry with many of my peers, and and told them the the crazy things that I put in place, and they they actually have adopted many of them. And part of that is just you know giving people time back honoring the individual, empowering the professional, um, making sure that you're communicating with random people who you may not may not communicate with on a regular basis. I have a I have a mandate for everybody that's a team lead and above that's under my umbrella. They have to talk to five people a week that they don't normally talk to. I know that sounds simple, but I think it helps it helps keep us going mentally. Um, that and then leaning on technology, once you once you've got people who feel empowered, um, they're willing to go out and explore and they'll come to you with solutions. They'll say, Hey, I found this. I was thinking about this. I was doing this. I was doing that. Um, you know, something we were talking about previously that I didn't mention, um, you know, because cost structures continue to shift for reprioritization of activities. And if you, if you happen to have a company that's anything like mine, I mean, I work for a 160 plus year old company. So as you can imagine, we have various tech in play. Um, we're a tale of two cities in many cases. So we're a cloud leader and we're also a legacy. I'm, I'm still running AS400s and mainframes and I've, I've got everything you can think of. And part of the challenge that we've had is you can't just rebuild that monolithic application that's grown up over the last 20, 30 years. It's, it's cost prohibitive at this point. So what we do, you know, because everybody talks about microservices and built for cloud and all that, all that fun stuff, that's great. But if you've got something that you're trying to evolve from a legacy perspective, you still need to hook into it because it's a critical application or critical topology. What we've done is we've, we've invested a lot of time in um, API sourcing and gateways. So we have internal and external facing gateways for both our customer base, which is the Fortune 1000 and above, um, and also our internal uh, platform to platform. So what we've been able to do is be, we essentially retrofitted it, and um, that's shown great promise. Uh, that's also we've also been able to tie in um, identity access management, which again is a giant security concern, especially going forward. That's always been an issue, but um, but even more paramount now because many of our customers, and I'm guessing for you folks, many many of you, um, are seeing that they're they're wanting to offload more and more 
of the personnel management because they just want to concentrate on what they're good at. And that, that, that requires organizational skills. And if you can set it and forget it, do it once and do it as an umbrella and just plug, you know, plug applications in to your standard methodology. Um, it's going to be a win for you. I, I, I'm curious. And let, let's talk people a second. Mm-hmm. Tech departments have become, re, begun returning to the office as leaders. How should we lead differently as people come back in? Well, I think that, um, I think that people need to realize that folks, some of them have been essentially um, shocked, shell-shocked, if you will. Um, they, there's, there's giant mental health issues out there, and many of them go unreported. I tell, I tell all of my staff, you know, uh, take a step back, breathe, think about sending that email, think about lighting somebody up, and think better of it because everybody's got something. Everybody's got some dirt. Everybody's got something going on, and you don't know what that something is. And, um, and so use a little bit of grace and and be kind because once you are it pays you back in spades so so i think um the the expectation that anybody's going to return to the office with you know you know bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and happy and they're just going to show up on time every day when they're still dealing with you know child care issues and you know mom's mom's in the nursing home and they used to go see him every week and now she's calling because they're not going to see him and you know at the same time every day all those things like i said everybody's got something so i would say I would say be a, a little bit a little bit lighter hearted, you know. Uh, still concentrate on the mission at hand, um, get the job done, but but be kind. Oh, uh, great advice, great advice. I, I'm curious, how have you seen the line between customer experience and employee experience blur? Because I've heard from a lot of organizations that it truly is the case. I mean, you have to treat. Yeah, you know, your employee as a customer too, right? Just, mm-hmm. uh, but tell me how you you've seen those blur. So, so part of it is, you know, we had a, we had again before the crazy started. We had a we had a standard. You're going to fit into this box, and that's the way it's going to be. And then, and then we we got really crazy, and we had three boxes. That, you know, one of the three you get to choose. Now there's no box. It's there's there's individual use cases across the board globally for us, and we have to treat them as such. So what we've done is with our ITSM and ITSD tools, we've created you know, checkbox packages. So you can literally go in and choose X, Y, and Z. And I want this peripheral and this and this and this packages up and gives it to you. Um, so, and, and it, it creates, you know, as you're distributing everything, you're not, you don't have monitors in the office anymore. You know, are you going to track mice and keyboards? Is that really something that you care about? Headsets? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but all of the things that enable a person to be successful in, in their job. Um, we look at that and we look at the customer experience and to your point, treating our employees like customers, they really are. And if you treat them well, they keep coming back. But if you don't, um, you know, there, there used to be a, there used to be a thought that you, you can't choose who you work for. And I absolutely disagree with that um, because they can vote with their feet. And, you know, tech is so hot right now that you can find a new job after lunch. So if you don't treat your employees well, somebody else will. So to me, it's, 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 again, it's, it's taken, it's not necessarily the kid glove approach, but it's, it's doing the right thing in the right way. Uh, Well put, well put. And as people are going back to the office, there's going to be some organizations I feel that will adapt really well. And others will try their old methods of this is how we've run this business for a hundred years. This is how we're going to do it. So because of that, do you think we're on the precipice of a workforce shift I think that those, you know, you, the, the dinosaurs come to mind. It doesn't mean that you have a bad business, but if you, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to go hundred percent 
no no WFH policy. Um, when you've had a year, year and a half of people that have adopted to a new workplace environment, that being their home or a satellite office or grandma's house or wherever it happens to be, you know, and again, they've got pets now, they've got they've got kids, they've got childcare issues, they've got school, they've got all sorts of things going on. And if and if you're not going to be flexible, there's a very good chance that they'll find some place else that is. Because that's that that is the real life now. It may not be the normal, but it's the now. Exactly. Exactly. So let, let, you, you touched on it at the beginning. I'm going to talk about risk tolerance and yeah. talk to me about how risk tolerance has changed uh, throughout this uh, pandemic. It's for, for us, it's been um, it's been increased um, and it's been increased, increased in, in uh, flexibility because our solutions worked. Um, you know, last last year between now and the previous March, I spent a lot of time with, you know, large customers and small customers, just basically um, informing them of, you know, here's how we've architected solutions. Here's how they're secure and well governed. And um, and it all passed It went off without a hitch, which was great. Um, but I think it's it's in we still have the same requirements. We still have the same controls. We, we still have the same. The, the goal is still the same. How are you going to meet that goal? And that's that's really what shifted is the how. And in many cases, we've you know, we've we put things in or we've we've increased scope because we're subject to every regulation you can think of across the globe. And so we have to take that's That's something else that's shifted is the need for placement of greater emphasis. You know, we have we actually brought folks in to look at, you know, California privacy laws and GDPR and. European privacy laws and Canada privacy laws and data residency and all all the things that you may or may not be subject to if you're if you're not God bless I wish you luck um, but if you are then those are things that you have to you have to look at because that ball that, that ball keeps moving the, the the marker keeps shifting and it's it's all around security and privacy yeah it, I heard someone recently say the what will always be the what it's the how that matters. Uh, and I, I, I love that. Do you think there's a challenge when we're talking about staffing and, and workforce for a race to the bottom? And, and I say that because for a lot of organizations, they're hiring people all over the globe, right? And I can get cheaper talent here. I can get, uh, instead of going in my home market, do you think there's going to be a, a bit or have seen a bit of a race to the bottom as far as I can get cheaper talent somewhere else instead of you know where HQ is? I think it depends on... Yeah, there, yes, but it's it's a cross between near shore and near shore, near shore onshore, together and offshore. Um, so, gotcha, Edgar. We'll get to you in a minute. Um, so, um, I think it's I think it's really it depends on what it is and how and what what data is being accessed by that particular individual. You know, is it is it a developer using using hash data and they're never going to touch production? Or is it a developer who's trusted to do release management during a window and they're going to be able to touch production and they're going and they're even staged with production data prior to the release? If that's the case, then there's a very good chance you're not going to be able to offshore that resource because of, again, the governance requirements around that data. Again, depends on the type of data, but those are the types of things that you have to look at. So I don't know that it's necessarily a race to the bottom for anything but commoditized skills, but you should be evaluating across the organization to look at who's doing what. Who's touching what? What are the skills required? What are our go-forward skills required? Can we cross-train? I do a lot of cross-training um, because basically we we 
it, it provides greater individuals access to to a growth path. You know, if you're if you just keep someone in the same channel the whole way, they top out. Eventually, they bang their head off the ceiling and then they leave. But if you can if you can offer them another spot, they can move over and keep moving through the maze, and you don't you you don't lose the tribal knowledge. So so I don't know that it's necessarily a race to the bottom. I think that you have to look at. You, you, you can't buy the marketing hype from all the staffing firms and all the outsourcing and stuff, because of course that's their job. They would love that. And for any of you that are in that business, um, it's fine. There is a value to it, yeah. but it's not for everything. Yeah. We have a great question here. Uh, Edgar put in, um, you talked about not having the coffee chat elevator talk, which he feels is essential for innovation development mm-hmm. and brainstorming. You know, what do you think? Do we need it back? What, what should be the new coffee chat? So yes, I think that I think that great ideas come from the hallway sometimes, um, and we're not in the hallway anymore. But what we do is we all, almost all of the technologies, whether you're using um, Google or Zoom or Teams or Slack or whatever, um, all of them have breakout rooms. And so what I do if we have something, we're trying to noodle on something. Um, I used to have I used to have chairs and stools and stuff in my office. My office was kind of like a it was a crash pad for all the architects and security folks. They just come and literally sit everywhere, um, which my CIO loved. He thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, so, but but we don't have that now. So what we have instead is we have a we have a room, and I have a no door policy, but now I don't I don't have a door. So now we have a room where people can just walk in and say, "What about whatever?" and everybody can see it. And then if you want to break out, you know, it's like, okay, you know, Fred and Matt are going to take this and they're going to go off and chew on it for a while. That's, that's, I've seen that be successful. Or you can, you can instantly start a, a, a meeting where you're on camera. So everybody jumps in the room for a minute and then you just figure it out. Sometimes it's a problem. Sometimes it's an idea and you get everybody together for a minute. And that's, you know, virtually, of course, I mean, we've actually, I've actually, believe it or not, locally, I've done meetings in parking lots. Hmm. Never thought I'd do that. Um, at restaurants, things like that, you know, Panera, Panera has a, uh, has a conference room you can reserve. Other places have a conference room you can reserve. I've done those types of things. So, um, with multiple individuals, because you don't want somebody necessarily sitting in your kitchen. I don't know. Personally, I don't care, but for some of you, it might not be the thing, but that's, you, you find alternatives to it. So yes, Edgar, I think that it's absolutely critical and we've lost that for a while, but now that we're on the upswing with, you know, this so-called new norm, um, we, got, we just got to figure out new and innovative solutions to keep communicating because that's key. Wonderful. Well, this has been fantastic. I think we could talk for another hour about this because there's so much to dive into. Thank you so much, Jason, for, for taking part in this. Thank you to Jason for speaking at our Midwest Summit. If you want to go to one of CDM Media's events or listen to our podcast, go to CDM Media. Thank you for listening to Executive Insights.